Greek, uh, first of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. We have made it the final week of the regular season of college football, Louisville football, Kentucky football, the rivalry. It's happening. Welcome into From the Pink Seats podcast. I am Jacob Lane, one half of your hosting team. As always, I'm joined by Matt McGavick of the Louisville Report and Vincent Lococo, and we've got a great show tonight. A lot of things to get into. We're going to be joined later on by former Louisville football punter uh, Mason King to talk punting and Louisville football and, of course, the game against Kentucky because uh, that's what everybody's talking about these days. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? Doing good. And, and you know what, uh, what day we're approaching on, right? Not, not talking about the, the actual UK game, but you know what a one-year anniversary we're approaching? Uh, I, I maybe have an idea, but no, I don't. Please start this podcast. Okay. Do you have the official date? How about that? I do, I do not. I just know it was around the Wake Forest game <laughs> last year. That's right. I think our, actual... and our first episode was we started a podcast in the pandemic. I remember that like it was yesterday. That is that you're right, man. We definitely um, are right around that time. In fact, this week, the state of Louisville, stateofLouisville.com. If you don't have that in the browser saved, please go ahead and do that. Uh, one week celebration yesterday, one year or the one week, one year celebration yesterday. Um, Look at us, man. We've made it. Vince, how's it going, buddy? I'm great. I mean, with you guys having all these milestones, I really just uh, appreciate you guys having me along for the ride this season. Hopefully we can keep everything continued furthermore after this. And uh, I just, you know, thankful for you two for providing me this opportunity to be able to speak to our fans and our audience. Well, how about that, man? Getting all sentimental look, up in here. Look at us this being is, thankful on Thanksgiving week. This is, and speaking how of that. cliche of us. <laughs> perfect transition into my next conversation here. We obviously are not uh, fellas that uh, are shy from our eating habits. I'd say not that any of us are chubby uh, or any of the words that people throw around to describe uh, somebody who likes to eat a large amount. <laughs> but I got to tell you, how excited are we for Thanksgiving? I am ready to throw down. G- give me all the food. Give me the turkey. Give me the stuffing. Give me the mashed potatoes. Give me the, the sweet potatoes. Give me the green beans. Just, just, just give me it all. I want it. Give me give me the plates. I'm going for seconds. I might go for thirds, but I don't know. I might not go for thirds because I got to stay up for that basketball game that night. But, you know, I'm, I'm just ready for it. Yeah, 930 uh, Louisville, Mississippi State in the Bahamas. Uh, meanwhile, Mississippi State uh, football will be playing in the Egg Bowl randomly uh, on a th- on, on a Thanksgiving night. Now, yeah, so yeah, definitely got to make sure you don't uh, overdo it there. But you mentioned uh, a lot of foods. One of which you didn't mention is mac and cheese. What are, What are your all thoughts on mac and cheese as a side at Thanksgiving? Is it a, is it I'm 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 loading the plate up or is it or I'm passing and avoiding it at all costs? You know, I, I'm going to take a stand. I, I, I saw something that was very, very unsettling on the Twitter timeline. It, it, it struck a chord with me. I saw a lot of unwarranted mac and cheese slander on the Internet today. And you know what? I'm not standing for it. That's mac right. And cheese, mac and cheese is the goat. And it will be respected as such. That's okay. You bring up a great point. Uh, you read my mind. This is the co-hosting <laughs> thing. Like we're, we're vibing here. We got it. You're, you know where I'm going. I know where you're going. Matthew Judon. Are you familiar with Matthew Judon, Vince and Matt? Do you guys know who that is? I am. I think I know what video. Yeah, I know what video you're talking okay. about. Okay. Matt, Matthew Judon was asked this week. So the Patriots uh, 
edge rusher was asked about Thanksgiving and his thoughts on food. And people have the wildest takes uh, when it comes to food. Uh, and, and specifically, he decided to throw shade at macaroni and cheese. He said, it's just cheese and noodles. It's not that good. Get macaroni and cheese off the table. It's disgusting. Get it off the table. I just, I just wonder what kind of upbringing Matthew Judon had to who uh, hurt not, him. That's exactly. what I'm saying, man. Because look, when you go uh, and you get Thanksgiving uh, dinner or lunch, whenever you decide to eat it, in my opinion, Thanksgiving is about the side items. The the turkey is great, but it's really more of the vehicle to deliver my side items into my mouth faster. The, the mashed potatoes, the macaroni. Uh, I'm typically somebody that's a dipper of the, of the turkey into those items. And so I need more room for my side items. And macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, broccoli casserole, uh, Brussels sprouts, give them all to me. Uh, and I will gladly take them and fill my plate up. This guy, I, I just wonder about your football ability if you don't like mac and cheese, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that seems, seems like, like a, a pre-practice meal. Like let's all eat mac and cheese and then go to football practice. I don't know. Maybe that's not Vince mac and cheese. That is that, is that something that you enjoy? Do you, would you oh, eat mac and cheese with your Turkey? A little I, bit I, I am a mac and cheeser with my Thanksgiving meal. My, my thing is, is my buddy tweeted it out. He said, who raised you? Like you said, Jacob, I don't think I, that that just tells me right there that your mom, your grandma, your aunts, whoever cooks Thanksgiving can't cook. So that makes me not even like your opinion at that point isn't even valid. It doesn't matter. Cut him. I'm done with your football game, too. You're done. You got to throw out one side item from the counter as you go. Uh, or off the table. We'll we'll take Matthew Judon's phrasing here. You got to throw one side item off the table. What are you getting rid of? Cranberry casserole. Cranberry. Don't even have to think about it. Cranberry is gross. Cranberry doesn't taste good. It's gross. It's nasty. It's I hate it. It's not good. Cranberry is a bane into our existence. It's, I'll go as to that far. It's disgusting. It's not bad when you can have it. Like Jacob said, he dips his turkey. I'm a I'm a dipper of the turkey as well. So, but I like to dip it into the cranberry sauce a little bit. Yes, let me. And let I'm me not going to eat can, the whole. Let can, me get a can, but... open that up, and just plop that big mass that looks like a blob with ridges in it. Just yeah, like give me more of this. This looks delectable. Here's no, hell no. Have you ate Taco Bell before? Uh, yes, you have. Of course. You don't know what is in that meat, and you know that is 100% pure cranberry juice. Both are fire when you've been drinking. I will tell you that right now. That's the one thing that Taco I, Bell and cranberry sauce I never thought I would hear Taco Bell and cranberry sauce mentioned in the same sentence. I, I would have to agree with you, but I do like the cranberry sauce in, in small doses, in small yeah. doses. When I was a kid, y'all, this is kind of disgusting, but we, I used to just like somebody from my family, whether it be my aunt, my mom would bring the cranberry sauce. Nobody else would want it. So I would eat all three of the large gelatins that come in those packages. There's three large slices typically in your average cranberry sauce. And I would eat them all by myself. And by the end, it hurts your mouth. Like it, the, the, your taste buds are essentially um, removed because of the sweetness and tartness of the cranberry. For me, if I'm getting rid of a side item uh, at Thanksgiving, it's the stuffing. Like we're, I, there's rolls, uh, there's the potatoes, Jacob. there's the sweet Dude. potatoes. Like I, I, I just, I, I miss me with the breaded cereal. Like I, I just, I, that's all stuffing is, is breaded cereal. 
Um, I just, it's not for me. I just, it's not for me. You've had some bad stuffing then because stuffing is great. You eat a whole thing of cranberry sauce and not (laughs) any stuffing? Yeah, hold on. The the second you said you had a whole thing of cranberry sauce, your opinion on what's the worst side out, I just kind of went out the window. I feel judged because I did. I I am judging you. (laughs) I phrased it as that when I was a kid, I did that. I don't continue to eat cranberry sauce. Now, you you give me the cranberry sauce with the pretzels, the cranberry casserole people are calling it these days. I guess that's fire. Y'all ever had that? That that is pretty good. I have had. Okay, not a fan. Not a like, fan of that. Like pretzel salad, jealous, something like that. Yeah. Is, as long are we as on we, the same wavelength here, we are. We are. But as long okay. as we can agree that uh, Matthew Judon has got to got to get out of here with his food takes, it's just one of the worst of all time. Uh, all right, let's talk football. Do I want to? Let's talk football. Let's talk football. All right. As we do every single week, we will uh, start the show with the big three headlines, the biggest headlines surrounding Louisville football. Big Big three. Yeah, 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 big three. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three. Matthew, start us off here. Headline number one. Headline number one. Louisville football opens as two-point home favorite versus Kentucky. Now, if I had told you this was going to happen at the midway point of the season, you guys would have laughed at me because at that point, Kentucky's 6-0. They're up to number 11 in the country. At that point, Louisville's 3-3. They just crapped the bed against Virginia in the fourth quarter. The two programs are heading in the opposite direction. But since then, things have started going in the opposite way as they were at the midway point. UK has looked kind of suspect in the second half of the season. They had a, a pretty lackluster performance against Mississippi State. The defense looks terrible against Tennessee. I, I don't want to say they barely beat Vanderbilt because they did. They beat them pretty handily, but they didn't, you know, take care of business like, you know, many people thought they should have. I mean, they, they beat New Mexico State like a drum, but I mean, that's New Mexico State. But since then, I mean, I know Louisville's had some struggles too, but last two games, now granted it is Syracuse and Duke, but they have put their foot on the gas and not let up. And that is something that, a lot of people have been wanting Louisville to do for the entirety of the season. And I guess better late than never, but it's, it's something that Louisville has been capable of doing all season. And thank God it's finally kicking at the right time because now you have this perfect storm to where now, if this game is at Commonwealth, I think Kentucky's probably like a one point favorite. Yeah. So kind of the home atmosphere does play a little bit of a role. I'd be a fool to not acknowledge that, but it's crazy to think that we've gotten to the point where the two teams kind of trended in complete opposite direction from the midway point. And then we're, I'm thinking at that point, Louisville's going to be like a 10 point dog considering how things are going at that point. There was a lot of talk that Kentucky would enter this game with the opportunity to be like 11 and one. And here we are. What's their record? Eight and three, eight and three. Now they are a, a really good football team. Uh, my prediction was very wrong. They did not fall. The wheels did not fall off the bus. Mark Stoops is not being talked about as being let go. Um, obviously, things definitely didn't go the direction that I suspected that they would following all of the off the field stuff preseason for Kentucky. Uh, they're still a really good football team, but they're obviously not the team that we thought they'd be. Uh, Louisville football, I'm still not sure that, we're the, that Louisville is the team that we thought they'd be. 
Uh, obviously, they they beat the doors off of Syracuse and Duke. But again, how much of that is that that's Syracuse and that's Duke versus Louisville is actually, um, you know, back to where they should be. Ought to be now, a really interesting contest. I I still the Louisville's the underdog here. Let's now, let's get let's not get it twisted. Duke is a crap bum, but Syracuse was a sneaky good team. That's right, and we talked about that in in the show a couple of weeks ago. So that's that you definitely call me on my BS there. That's right, we did say that at the time that uh, they were an underrated football team that was just a few bounces away from being, uh, you know, uh, one of the top in the ACC. So uh, true, I'll give you that. And Louisville, Louisville handled them. Um, and Duke, you know, whatever It's not New Mexico State, but it's Duke. Um, and it was just it, it we'll get into it in a minute but just utter domination and you love to see Louisville going the right way here but in my book Louisville's the underdogs uh, I don't want to sit here and talk about this is a game that uh, Louisville should be favored in that Louisville um, should absolutely win because Kentucky is the better team they have been all season uh, and to and this point to switch that narrative just because both teams kind of are trending in opposite directions is probably not th- the best thing to do uh going in there Vince any thoughts on uh, Louisville opening as a two-point favorite I I just think they set that line because they have to set a line in my opinion uh, I'm right there with you I, I like in this game truthfully y'all in my opinion we both could have B.O. and whatever either one and of you, us you both of us could records out the window when it's yeah out. absolutely it, it's you like know, zero zero 16, when you enter in, in 16 when we went to go play it when they came here to play us I was like oh dude this is gonna be a cakewalk we're gonna you know, we got Lamar, the Heisman Trophy winner, this, that, the other. We're going to kill them. And before you know it, two and a half hours later, I'm sitting in my dorm bed like, what the hell just happened? So it could, in my opinion, it just doesn't really matter. Yeah. And, and you know, outside of, uh, and to be honest with you, I'm blanking on what the score even was in 2019. But, I, you know, I know it wasn't necessarily close. And, yeah. So, and then in 2018, what, 62 to 10 type of deal. But outside of that, those games there for a long time were were really close. Obviously, 2017, um, 2016 was a little bit of a blowout. I think it was like 44, 24, something like that. Um, but, but you know, in 2014, when Kyle Boland came in for Reggie at the end of the year, that was a close game. So, um, you know, it, it, the, the home field advantage definitely plays a, a part in the, the spread being open here. But, again, Vince is right. I think they just set the line because they have to. Headline number two, we go to the NFL from Titans Wire. Great news. I want to stand up and cheer. I feel like we should all stand up and give a round of applause to our good friend Des Fitzpatrick over the weekend. Uh, becomes uh, the uh, I don't know what number receiver he is for the Titans to catch a touchdown this year. I don't know why I decided to go that route, uh, but the headline <laughs> reads uh, Titans Des Fitzpatrick scores first career touchdown versus the Texans. Beautiful route uh, on on that pass for his first touchdown on the season, uh, and what was a really shocking loss for the Titans, uh, the AFC's best team to the to the Texans. Uh, but uh, Des catches three passes in total for thirty five yards, a touchdown. How about that, Des Fitzpatrick? Uh, Finally getting it going in the NFL after being cut coming out of preseason. Yeah, like you said, it, it's great to see him get back on the right path because over that offseason and, and in training camp, we didn't hear very many good things coming out at all. It, it seemed even Mike Vrabel, the Titans head coach, called him out at least once, maybe even twice during training camp before he got cut and then aside to the practice squad. So it's phenomenal to see him like take that in stride. Just keep working, working, working to the point where he was eventually called up to the active roster and able to make an impact. 
I, I thought it was it was awesome. Dez is a guy that was him and I were in the same recruiting class coming in in 2016. Uh, him and I had a great, pretty emotional moment walking off the field together. And uh, this past season in 2020, unbeknownst to me, that was going to be my last game. And I obviously knew what that game meant for him. And just seeing all the hard work that he's put in, you know, from high school to college to now, it's just beautiful to see it come to flourishion. And, you know, people were talking about, always talk about LeVar Ball and, you know, the ball brothers and stuff like I mean we got the Fitzpatrick's right here in our backyard Dez is over here going to the NFL granted Christian transfer but I still love him to death and he's I have a feeling he's going to do much of the same at Michigan State yeah I always admired Dez Fitzpatrick's father Greg uh, he was a common guest a uh, frequent guest on the Big Red Louie podcast and has actually been on uh, from the Peak Seats podcast earlier um, in, his, in its existence I always admired um, how he taught his sons about opportunities and to be prepared um, and do what you have to do to be ready. And that when, when your number is called and obviously things didn't go well for Des coming out of camp, but um, put the work in on the practice squad. And as you know, injuries unfolded with Julio Jones and uh, some of the, the issues that AJ Brown has been dealing with off the field um, Des definitely got his opportunity. And now considering that uh, those guys are kind of have their status up in the air Des could become a part of the offense down the stretch. And maybe in this first season, he kind of su surprises some folks um, and does better than maybe what was expected. All right, let's move into headline number three, which is no headline at all. Instead, fellas, I have our favorite thing. Bowl predictions. Hell yeah. We, we are just a week away from finding out uh, where Louisville will go to play its postseason football two weeks away. Excuse me. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, for finding out. Two, uh, yeah. Yeah. I always forget about that conference championship week and then the random Navy Army week after that. That is like week 19 of college football. But uh, Louisville football just a few weeks away from finding out where the postseason will take place after the win at Duke, which uh, gave them bowl eligibility, regardless of what happens on Saturday. Uh, so right now I've got three different outlets here. Uh, with Louisville standing and guys, I got to tell you just from an opponent standpoint, um, it's just not that attractive. Athlon sports has Louisville in the military bowl against East Carolina sports illustrated um, has a fan, a fan nation. Matthews uh, 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 network there at sports illustrated has them in the pinstripe bowl against Minnesota, which makes Vince very happy. Uh, Jerry Palm, who Jerry Palm's got to be the only one that does college football and college basketball bracketology, right? Like, this is I this so. this guy is a freak of nature. He's the LeBron James of bracketology, it appears, being able to go back and forth and do both. But he's got Louisville in the pinstripe bowl against Maryland, which I would be interested to see, you know, Louisville go up against a team like that that they've, you know, not really gotten to, to play. And you know, and PJ, Maryland did look good early in the season with Telia Tagovailoa, but they kind of fell off in a hurry after they got humbled by Iowa in the early Yeah, Mike, season. but Mike Loxley is just unfortunately the the and I guess Steve Sarkeesian might be headed towards this direction. The, they are not the uh Lane Kiffins of Alabama. Everybody likes to talk about how all these coordinators came from Nick Saban's staff, but they don't like to mention that Mike Loxley is like five and like 48 in his coaching career between stops at New Mexico and now at Maryland. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah, you thought you were getting Lane Kiffin 2.0 and instead you get Lane Kiffin negative point. Lame Kiffin. But what do we think? Well, obviously, Vince, we know you want to go to New York to see them play in Yankee Stadium. But uh, does this get you jazzed up to, to see Louisville play against East Carolina in the military ball? The military ball, not so much. East Carolina, I feel like, is a team we would just absolutely roll over no matter what, and it would just suck for the guys being a 
wherever the military bowl is. I'm not even sure. Where's the location? Annapolis, Annapolis. Maryland. There we go. Beat me wow. to it. Nowhere I would rather spend my bowl week is, you know, nowhere I'd rather. See, I tell you what, though, th- uh, I don't know how uh, this bowl projection got impacted because I'm pretty sure I saw this in the uh, the day leading up to this past Saturday's games. I can't remember which bowl this was, but Louisville versus SMU. I that saw would, that too, man. That's that a game. would be a good matchup. I think that was the Holiday Bowl, if I remember correctly. That's a game I I hope we can avoid, man. I don't want to play that offense. I, I, I would, wouldn't. I would don't you want not. the? I would love to watch. As like a, a fan or a spectator of college football, I would love to see that game. I, Plus, I would Dykes might be getting tired, one. anyways. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing that one or the. Uh, I mean, obviously, I want to go to New York for the the Yankee Stadium and stuff, but I wouldn't mind seeing us against PJ Fleck in Minnesota. I, yeah, I hate PJ Fleck. He wears cleats on the sidelines. He also wears a, a, a dress shirt and tie with a I hate how set. he sprints everywhere. I like PJ like, Fleck. Nah, the row the boat thing never made sense to me. I, what was was Western Michigan like? That was like his thing at of, Western Michigan. So it, I'm pretty it, it didn't sure they really still translate do that. well to Minnesota, but I can see why I wanted to continue it. Yeah, it's lame. All right. That's that wraps up this week's edition of the big three. And that now brings us to the football action side of things here. As we go back and look at uh, Saturday's game between Louisville and Duke Uh, guys, I got to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you here. Full transparency fell asleep at the end of the third quarter. It was a snooze fest. I did not expect Louisville to be up by 40, uh, but they did in fact put me to sleep and I'm disappointed before we get in here. I hope I don't spoil any of your notes here, but I'm disappointed. I didn't get to see Aiden Robin score a touchdown. Uh, that's the one thing I saw on the highlights the next morning when I woke up. Yeah, that's right. Manual high school in the building, baby. All right, Vince, right. the best segment in sports every week, Vince's game notes, Vince puts the film on and he uh, tells us what happened on the field. Vince, what do we got this week uh, against Duke? It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's Game Notes with Vincent Lococo. So, Jacob, you might have fell asleep in the third quarter. It might have been boring to you towards the end, but I thought Coach Satterfield's play calling this game was on point. I think for the first time this entire season, Coach Satterfield has finally called, quote-unquote, a perfect game in our instance where he's not running the ball too early to where he's, you know, going three and out and leaving the other team opportunity to come back. He's – pick the right time to run to win as I like to call it and uh you know I was just really impressed with how well he did last game uh just a couple plays that stick out to me would be uh the Jalen Mitchell wheel in the first quarter and the two that Des Melton ran so both of those plays are essentially the same thing when you go back and look at it because the outside wide receiver he's going to run a post and then there's always going to be a guy coming underneath on that wheel route so he's going to stay in between the numbers, his route is going to be in between the numbers and the sidelines. And it's a very easy read from a league and it's a very easy throw for him to make because, you know, if the safety comes off the hash and takes the wheel route, then that leaves the post option right there from Malik. And if he doesn't come off, then Malik has a wheel. And it was awesome because those three plays Malik ran it to perfection. And just the only little gripe I have in those plays is, Des Melton needs to be a little bit more controlled when turning up to go down the sidelines. Cause if you guys go back and watch, he had, he had so much green grass in front of him, but he, for whatever reason, stepped right into his guy. I guess he's more of the blocking tight end type for us. So let's talk about that third and 24 play that Cooley had. 
where Malik was scrambling and stuff when we dropped that playoff or dropped the ball off. Uh, what I really enjoyed from that is it showed Malik going through all his progressions. Uh, we've talked about his improvement this year and how well, how much better he has gotten as a passer. But right there, it showed me that, you know, Malik's going through his progressions, but he also knows, okay, I'm having pressure right here. I need to get out of the pocket. I can't sit here forever. I'm not going to be able to throw it from this angle. And he kept all his eyes downfield and was still able to make a throw to Cooley. And then Cooley stiff arm that dude into the dirt i mean they probably had to get a crane to get that dude's jaw <laughs> out, of, out of the turf the next for saturday morning but isn't that crazy the, the kid's a freshman you all and he's making an impact like that on a on a huge third and 24 play which i'm to me i'm super excited for these next two years yes mm-hmm. i'd say two years of Travion. Yeah. He's got he's got two receiving touchdowns on the year out of the backfield. I, I think you would have to go back at least five years to to get that combined out of Louisville's running backs. I'm dead oh, serious. Yeah. And it, it seems like every week he's doing something, whether it be an individual play or some some sort of moment that is spectacular, whether that be with his speed or his agility. On that one, it was his speed, like just to get away. Of course, the stiff arm was notable, but just to get to the sideline and get up the sideline away from the defenders. And how about the throw from Malik there kind of, kind of falling away and across his body. I think that as, as well as Cooley did after the catch, I think that throw is like the highlight of that play. That that throw is one that gets picked off on Madden 10 times out of 10, whenever you're rolling out and throwing across your body. (laughs) That's the kind of pass that like you roll out. I don't know about you all, but in Madden here, I'm going to give you a little bit of football inside into Madden with me. I like to roll out to the far outside sideline every single time and just reset the pocket and then throw. See, So many times I I get caught trying to get outside and I have to try to chuck the football and, and you're right. It gets picked off, and that's the pass that always makes me put my controller into the ground. Exactly. Single- so you're like, that would never happen. They'd complete it like Malik, and it'd be <laughs> right. down, down the sideline. Yeah. But I'd be remiss, guys. Malik did a great job on these runs. I mean, you have to talk about it. Malik had 200-something rushing yards. But what I was more impressed with was the wide receivers blocking downfield. I was tweeting about it all game. And I mean, there were guys blocking people into the end zone on that one long touchdown run Malik had. If you watch Tyler Harrell, Malik turns Tyler Harrell and Tyler Harrell ends up, you know, just blocking a dude just for the heck of it. Adonis Boone is probably going to be out next game for assault charges on what he did to that (laughs) man. (laughs) I mean, the, the blocking downfield coach that always talks about it. That's what springs those big runs. Yes, you're holes by the old line, but you know the second level guys to where they can't exactly get the right angle. That's really what's uh, going to spring these long runs for us. And our guys, you know, came out and did it Saturday against Duke. On to the defense. Uh, I do, you know, I think we put too much of an influence influence on isolating Durant, and that caused for Bobo's. That was yeah, Bobo. I, I think that caused for him to kind of snap in a way, just have a great game and everything. Greedy, him and Greedy, it seemed like they were going back and forth all game. It'd be kind of hard to say that Greedy played good or bad during that game. He had positives. He had yeah, spurts. Yeah, I mean, that to me, that just showed a young kid out there trying to figure out, like I've been saying, trying to figure out how to play college football. But on to the outside linebackers, I – Firmly believe that we have the best outside linebacker room in the conference with Marvin 
and Yasir Abdullah. Yasir Abdullah killed it the other day and had, you know, in my eyes, improved his draft stock crazy. I mean, just that play he made downfield yeah. where he deflected the pass, I think that yeah. right there is, okay, maybe we can slide Yasir into the inside if we need to and drop yeah. him back. You know, I think that really helped him out. And then, obviously, y'all's boy, Jacob, your favorite, Marvin Dallas. With Sound the alert. Marvin <laughs> Dallas alert. <laughs> Marvin had a great game. That interception, I mean, when the announcers went back and talked about it, there was it was a clear blitz. We were shaded over that side heavy, but the pressure ended up getting in the guy's face. So that kind of goes along with us not, you know, rushing three. It seemed like that was the issue again on some of these longer passes was us rushing three. And, uh, you know, I don't think our success this past week and the, the previous week was all due to our opponent. I think we're finally peaking at the right time. I think we're finding our stride. Yes, the defense last game could have been more consistent, but I'll settle for field goals all day. I don't know about you all, but with how electric our offense is hitting, with the push the offensive line is having right now, I'll take field goals all day because I think our offense is going to start or finish out running like a well-oiled machine. So that's about that's all I got for you guys this week on the game notes. Yeah, the, the Jake Bobo thing is really interesting to me. It was very clear that uh, what little interest David Cutcliffe had in being there. Uh, can we talk about a coach who looked disengaged? I look. He I don't want to be so dis- dejected. I don't want to be disrespectful, uh, but uh, my man looked like he was about 15 years past retirement, um, and that's putting it lightly. He looked like he wanted nothing to do with coaching that football game, uh, but it's clear he saw an advantage with Bobo over Chandler Jones and Greedy Vance, and those guys were tested uh, in a way that hopefully you will you know, really, really hope will, t- will help them with Wandale Robinson coming up uh, against Kentucky, because um, that might be the best receiver that Louisville will have faced all season long. And they face some pretty good wide receivers um, and Duke had success going to him time and time again with Gunnar Holmren, um, you know, who was hobbled and still was able to kind of, you know, be productive. I know he only threw for a hundred and what, 76 yards, but um, yeah. found Bobo essentially at will as he wanted to throughout that game. Um, and then with Mateo Durant, he goes out with the injury early, comes back, and, and really doesn't really have much of an impact there. But um, I, what I wanted to call out was, you know, I know that they finished this game with 183 yards rushing, but that is now Mateo Durant, Will Shipley, uh, Zonovan Knight, uh, guys that they have limited Pat significantly. Garwell, Ricky Person, Sean Tucker. Yes, yeah, Sean Tucker, another great one. That is four games um, in a row, essentially, where Louisville's defense has gone up against an all-ACC type of running back um, and been dominant. 78 yards is garbage time for most of those, right? Like, I think we can all agree yeah. that he was really taken out of the flow of the game, even once he, when he came back from injury. Um, and that's that's credit to a great defensive plan. You talk about Scott Satterfield calling games and really showing improvement. I think Brian Brown – um, even without control Clark to think of the adjustments that he's made to be able to make things work and have these performances week after week. It really shows just how far Louisville has come. Uh, let's talk about Duke a little bit. You know, you mentioned that, that you thought Vince that it was more of Louisville being, uh, you know, kind of hitting the, the peak of their offense and really starting to get going versus Duke being bad. And, and I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, and it looks like to me, 
Malik is just seeing football at a completely different level than he has the last, you know, several years of his career. This, this kid is seeing things so much faster and the reaction to it um, just, especially the last two weeks has really what's just been special to watch because we've seen him uh, in some weeks hesitate. We saw him a lot, a lot last year, kind of force it this year. He's made the right play just about every single time. It looks like to me that everything's almost in slow motion for him, which exactly. is kind of what you see people talking about whenever they, <laughs> yeah, you know, the old football cliche. They're, yeah, they're they're hitting their perfect. Like, all right, I'm getting it. Like, this is this is it right here. It, it just seems like everything's slower to him. You see him making all the moves that he would make in high school, where he's, uh, I don't know, just cutting up on a dime on a guy just to get a first down or whatnot. It's it just he looks very very comfortable. Yeah, that, think, and that my that run. My, that, go ahead. Sorry, that I was terrible. My, <laughs> no, you're fine. No, I think my one complaint about Malik from that game was that in that first quarter, he had a few throws that were way over. And this is something that we've kind of seen a few times from Malik, where he he'll he's been great ninety five percent this season, but that five percent he has overthrows in the worst moments. Yeah. It's and it's usually when a guy is wide open. Now, to be fair, there was a deep shot that he took in that Duke game that Tyler Harrell just dropped. Yeah, I mean, I, I text you all about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we—that's something that I don't—I don't think it's a huge red flag going into the Kentucky game, but it's something to note. That one with Tyler Harrell, the one he did catch, is like to a T what you teach a wide receiver to do catching the ball on those deep, deep routes. I know Coach Brewer probably had that one, you know, rewind and fast and <laughs> slow motion probably 150 times. That, that one was just awesome to see. Probably nobody oh, yeah. can catch that ball besides Tyler. Yeah, and then we've talked about this uh, several times this season, but um, continuing to spread the football out, five different receivers catch touchdowns in this game. Um, you know, Scott Satterfield talked about it this week, just how – excited I don't even know what the right word is about the um the ability of these receivers to all make plays I mean they've got four or five guys whose stats are nearly similar but in this game you have Marshawn Ford catch a touchdown which if I tried to go and backpedal like he did and catch a touchdown you guys would be embarrassed to call me your your football podcast co-host because I would (laughs) eat shit uh but Amari Huggins Bruce catches a touchdown and then you have Tyler Harrell obviously catching one um, and then uh, uh, Jordan Watkins gets catches one. It's just that they have so many weapons, and uh, the broadcast crew called it out time and time again. Uh, outside of Cole Bentley and Caleb Chandler, Louisville will return everyone next year. I mean, it's just um, it's crazy to think of what this offense could be if Malik comes back because. Um, one could make the argument, and this is a homer take, and this is any any football fan can do this to any any program. But Malik hits a few more of these deep shots that he's taken this year. Louisville probably wins a game or two that they lost, and probably sitting here with two three losses. That that put that puts Malik in a spot to potentially be a Heisman candidate, like dead serious. I mean, I don't think oh, people no, are talking about that enough. I mean, Malik's numbers. Leads the country in in, uh, in rushing yards, or in, excuse me, in rushing touchdowns. Last week, he was the first player since I think uh, 1998 to run for nine. 250 and, and nine uh, to pass for 250 and run for 
for or run for 250, was, pass for 300, it was whatever. Pass for it is. 300, run for two. It was pass for 300, <laughs> run for 200. It's just absolutely crazy um, that 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 he's been able to do that. And and the one thing I don't know what you all thought about this, um, if you've even thought about this at all. But um, if you are Scott Satterfield, you've got to hope that Pierce Clarkson is watching these football games because right now you have the ability to strike while the iron is hot uh, at the quarterback position because if you're Louisville, you've had Lamar Jackson and now you've had Malik Cunningham. You can you can mold yourself here into the dual threat capital uh, of college football. Am I right? Am I wrong for thinking that? No, I mean you, you've got you've got it pretty much wrapped up right there now. I gunned ahead if I had to choose to decide if Malik was going to come back or not, or not decide if I had to choose whether I thought if Malik was going to come back or not, I would probably say yes. And that's solely because um, we don't, we haven't really ha- heard a lot of, of NFL buzz regarding Malik Cunningham. I mean, I, it's only taken until this past Duke game for him to even be on national guys radar in terms of his his production on the year and not necessarily like his ability at the next level. And I can't remember if it was, uh, yeah, it was Satterfield that mentioned this in his weekly press conference. I mean, it was just also probably him trying to just put a subliminal message in there for him to come back, but he, he had, he did bring about a really good example. I mean, think about it. Who was the quarterback who last year, was like sixth round pick, fifth round pick at very best. But th- for, for this next NFL draft, he is a bona fide first round pick guaranteed. Who am I describing? You're talking about Kenny Pickett. And, and Kenny you're Pickett. Spot on, man. I mean, he's going to he, be a first round pick. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And he was that example of like, yeah, he's, he's done great things. But I mean, like, like I've said, he's not really on NFL radars right now. But if he comes back, maybe has a year akin to how Kenny Pickett is doing, being the, in the running for ACC player of the year, probably going to win it, have maybe get to New York as a Heisman finalist, build, your, build yourself some draft stock. I could very easily see Malik coming back next year. Do I guarantee it? No. I mean, there's, there's still some um, – who, who knows what Malik's thinking right now. Maybe he's thinking about NFL after this year, maybe not. But if I had to choose, I'd probably say yes at this point. But – it could be a different tune a week or two from now. You never know. Yeah. And, and so now you, you win this football game in such a convincing matter um, that you feel like you have the momentum to, to roll into Saturday against Kentucky and, and get a victory. And it starts for me with being able to do one thing. And Louisville has not been able to do that uh, the last two times they've played. And in fact, if I pulled up the numbers, it would be, um, we would probably just sit here and ooh at each other because it's it's gross. I mean, Louisville's given up like 700 yards rushing or something stupid like that over two games. Um, and so for Louisville, can you stop the run? You've done it against Clemson. You've done it against NC State. You've done it against Duke. But can you do it against Kentucky um, knowing that that is what they love to do? They love to run the football, and they're probably going to try to do that against you quite a bit. It, it, it's going to be interesting just because they this has been one of their hallmarks of the defense in the, in the second half of the season and kind of what has been responsible for them starting to turn things around on that side of the ball is just stopping the run, being sound in your scheme, being gap sound, wrapping up tackling, not letting defenders get past you more often than not, and just being stout up front, even though the D-line is still a little bit underwhelming 
but they're doing just enough to kind of angle guys to alter the running backs to try and take a different lane than what he wanted to. And then the linebackers are just right there for the tackle. Now it ain't going to be easy against Kentucky because Louisville's, Louisville's faced a lot of good offensive lines this year. Kentucky's genuinely might be the best one they face all year. Yeah. And they might be facing against a top 10 offensive lineman in FBS. And was it Darian Kennard? Is Darian Kennard. Yeah. 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 It, that is going to be a hell of a test for Yasir Abdullah, for Ashton Jelani, Yaya Diaby, all those pass rush specialist type guys. I'm not saying they can't do it because they very well can. They've they've shown over the last several games they have they have developed a propensity to stopping the run and doing it against high quality opponents like you know Sean Tucker, Pat Garwell, that NC State duo, yada yada yada. But this is going to be a big test, and it. it considering it's coming in a rivalry game, I can't wait to see how it plays out. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, the other thing that you have to worry about for Louisville here is uh, Wandale Robinson. Um, you talk about look, Kentucky's offense has been mostly run, 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 deep shot to Wandale Robinson for 75 yards uh, and drive ender. And uh, just about every single game this season, he's had at least 60, 70 yards. He's got, you know, no less than uh, five, six, seven catches. So it's very clear that Will Levis, um, it, he's his security blanket. Um, and so if you're Louisville, you've got to be a little bit concerned considering the fact that uh, you've not necessarily been great at stopping number one receivers. Chandler Jones obviously has not played great all season greedy Vance is coming along going to be a great player but still trying to figure it out uh Trey Trey Franklin's kind of gone missing the last few weeks uh, you know uh, oftentimes uh I couldn't even tell you who the third cornerback is out on the field because if there even is one because there's really just not a, a ton going on um with their corners in terms of improvement and, and ability to get out there so Vince I ask you what what do you do to stop a guy like Robinson Brian Brown mentioned today in his press conference that they have the benefit, they being Louisville, of having practiced with Tutu Atwell on the roster for so long and then um, going up against uh, Zay Flowers at Boston College. But how do you slow a guy down like this if you're, if you're Louisville? So, I mean, there's, you know, probably two, two or three things that you could do. One of the things being is obviously you can send pressure at Will Levis and make him uncomfortable and make him throw the ball in spots that he not, doesn't necessarily feel that comfortable with. But what I would kind of like to see them do is – bait will into these throws to Wandale. I mean, obviously we're not going to get any of that by sending three people, but if we rush four, that's enough right there that, you know, already will knows I'm having more pressure up front than just the three people that they usually send. So if we could just rotate those safeties at the very last second post snap and get will to bait, to just throw something that he, he believes is open, but Kendrick knows I have enough distance to close or Q Cole has enough knows that he has enough distance to close. I think we could, you know, get some interceptions, some PBUs, things like that. Uh, you know, Levis just isn't your, you know, he's not your Trevor Lawrence. He's not going to sit back there and dart you up all day. So I think we can really benefit by putting, by rotating our safeties and rushing four guys, basically. He's going to throw darts. It just might go to the other team. That's right. So. That's right. He has uh, struggled with interceptions and uh, Kentucky has struggled with turnovers. Um, and Scott Satterfield was not shy of talking about Louisville's improvement and not 
only taking care of the football, but forcing turnovers. Obviously, last week, Marvin Dallas gets the interception. They've had fumble recoveries each of the last couple of weeks. They've had interceptions. They've, they have definitely improved. They're not great by any means. Uh, but for you guys, is this is this a thing for if you're Louisville and you get, say, it, it, like is the magic number two? You get two turnovers and you've probably got a good chance to win this football game. Uh, like, is that kind of the way that you all see it? Honestly, I think that number is probably closer to three because, be honest, Kentucky has a propensity to fumble the football. Chris Rodriguez, as good as he is as a runner, as, as the running back, he fumbles a lot. Will leave us as good of a as, as great of an arm as he has, especially on those deep shots. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. So this is a matchup that is prime for the taking for and, and is prime for a lot of opportunities if you're this little defense. It, it's just a matter of being able to make the plays. Now, fortunately, this season we've seen the Louisville defense take that step forward as opposed to last year and be able to start to capitalize on a lot of these opportunities for turnovers. Now, can they, can they do this against this UK offense that's got a lot of weapons? That's, that's going to be one to monitor. And on the flip side of things, can Louisville protect the football? Now, I'm looking at the stats now, and UK is only, only forced nine turnovers. So Louisville should take care of the football but just because uk doesn't really force that many turnovers of your own doesn't mean you just kind of sleepwalk into thinking there's going to be an easy play you still have to do your due diligence and make sure you you know don't give the other team the ball whether it be a fumble interception muff punt what have you the other kind of big key to this game is the battle of the trenches for Louisville up front. We've seen them be able to, um, as an offensive line, obviously improve drastically from where they were when this season started. They've kind of found their seven-man rotation. Uh, they, they feel really good with what they've got, and they've they've the results have been there. I mean, they were moving NC State, moving Clemson. We talked about, you know, against Syracuse, some of the holes that they opened up for Jalen Mitchell were so large that all of us could have ran through it together. Um, so going against Kentucky, though, it's a completely different ball game. Um, you've got to really be able to to prove for the first time in a long time that you can um, hang with the big boys per se. Um, you know, in terms of size, this is very much a, like Ole Miss type of offensive line, 325, 330. These guys are, are excuse me, defensive line. These guys are massive um, and they can move. I mean, they are athletic and this defense is not what it's been over the last few years, but it is still really good. Um, when it comes to being able to, to play in the trenches. Uh, but where I see that playing more of a factor is not in the running game, but it's the ability to give Malik Cunningham time. And, and if he can get time, that is going to un unlock a world of trouble for, for Louisville uh, against the defense of Kentucky because, guys, if the law of averages tell us anything, um, Kentucky has given up an average uh, – yards per completion of 10.5 uh and louisville's average completion per catch is 14 yards so something's got to give there uh if louisville is if louisville's getting 14 yards a catch guys louisville's gonna win this game by i would say seven plus yeah I'm and I, know, I agree there and, and i have a feeling that that might side louisville and i don't say that as a homer because i saw that tennessee game that secondary got torched and I know they, they kind of looked better in the couple in their two games since, but I mean, it, it's hard to kind of purge that type of performance out of your head, especially since 
they didn't completely put away Vanderbilt. I mean, they did what they did against New Mexico State, but I mean, the second half of the season, that the defense is still extremely good. There's no questioning that. But as a whole, Kentucky has not looked the same since that Georgia game. Now, Georgia will humble anybody. They 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 would humble Alabama. But since that loss, they haven't looked the same. I think the last element here that uh, I think is worth considering, obviously, it's senior day uh, for Louisville. We talked a lot last year um, about the importance of senior day um, against Wake Forest. At the time, you know, weren't wasn't sure who was going to be coming back, who was going to be leaving. Talked a lot about that class kind of being a defining class for Louisville, considering all the ups and downs of the by Petrino era into Satterfield. Uh, but you could say the same about the kind of top guys at, in this class. I mean, you say goodbye to names like CJ Avery, Cole Bentley. Um, I, I believe Caleb Chandler is in, in, am I wrong? Is he a senior? I, I'm pretty sure he's in. Yeah, Caleb's gone. Yeah. So Caleb Chandler. And then, you you know, you've got guys on the defensive end, you know, like uh, Tiberius Peterson, uh, Derek Dorsey. You know, there's a lot of guys all over the place who have played big roles for Louisville who will be, exiting and you know Louisville has not won against Kentucky since 2017 obviously didn't have last year um, but how much is motivation a factor in this I mean you got to think for a lot of these guys they want to go out considering all that's happened all the narratives and storylines in their careers you got to think they want to go out uh, with a signature win against Kentucky and to be honest with you I know Kentucky is kind of, you know, talked about as little brother, but this would be Scott Satterfield's biggest win um, as the Louisville football head coach, if he's able to pull that out. But so what's the motivation? I mean, you, you guys think that's a, that's a part of this for Louisville. I, I think the motivation is straight up, just send these seniors out on a good note. I mean, yeah, you want to, you want to beat Kentucky. That's your rival, but in that building, the atmosphere is so family-like and you know, Hey, yeah, we might have a bowl game, but this is the last time, and I'm, you know, Dorian Jones. This is the last time I'm ever going to get to strap it up next to C.J. Avery. You know, same thing with uh, the guys on the O-line with Cole and uh, Caleb and everything. It And that, that really means something at this level because, yeah, high school, you got your buddy going off to join Sigma whatever, and I'm going to play D3 ball here, D1 ball – like, this is the last time that you and your boys are for sure going to get to strap it up together. So it means a lot to them in that building. And I, th- I think they're going to be incredibly focused for this game. It, it's just at some point, something's got to give. Like, Kentucky is a game that Louisville forever should win automatically. It's a W on your schedule. But this is this is not the same Kentucky of years past. Um, and this is a big win. This is a the potential to get – um, you know, obviously you mentioned the bowl game, but to get things rolling back in the right direction, the potential for eight wins again in year three, kind of where everybody expected them to be uh, by season's end. You know, nobody really thought they'd beat Kentucky. Um, and I feel like Louisville can walk in here without the pressure on their shoulders of, uh, you know, having to, to, you know, be big brother. They can walk in here feeling confident in themselves, knowing that they are <clears throat> a football team that can win the game. Uh, and I think you're going to see them play kind of that that carefree, you know, no no um, ghosts in their you know in their back pocket um, type of deal. No, you know, worrying about is Lynn Bowden going to walk back out on the field and rush for another 700 yards type of deal. They can walk off, um, you know, holding their head high because they got to to 
get the the win against Kentucky in their last regular season game is a little cardinal. I, I mean, you couldn't write a better story. I, I think this one for my class and the guys that were there in 18, I think this is a personal game as well for, I still am not like, I, I hate Kentucky, but what they did in 18 to us, just the embarrassment. Yeah. 2019 yeah. was what it was. I mean, half right. our team was out sick. We practiced with a freaking GA as a quarterback that Friday because we had no quarterback. Don't know if that's, you know, known to everybody, but I mean, what they did to us in 18, I think our class is going to take this personal and say, this is the last time we have to go out here and beat the shit out of Kentucky. So let's do everything in our power leading up to it this week, film room, weight room, practice field, dinners, all of it from top to bottom, take it, take it as a professional and roll into Saturday and get a great win. All right. Uh, we end the show this week, the same way that we do every week with our predictions. Um, this is a tough one because uh, I think every one of us wants to pick Louisville. Matt's wearing this big bright blue shirt. So maybe he's going to pick Kentucky. purple. It's a little. Oh, okay. Okay. Shirt. All right. Okay. I'll give it oh, to you. Oh my goodness. Trying to throw me under the bus. Okay. My that's fair. It, 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 <laughs> how does it feel under that bus, man? Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's end with our predictions and then, uh, Vince, I want to give you the floor to wrap it up and tell some a, a good Kentucky story because I know that you've got one for us. But I'll start. Um, I want to pick Louisville. I really do. Um, I picked Louisville to beat Kentucky this year, but um, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think that Louisville is going to play a really good game, but until I see Louisville go from – having this 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 it, it feels like louisville's gotten punked the last few years and until i see them kind of um you know kind of perk up and fight back in a way that looks like they are belong on the same field that's when i'll start to, to think differently but for now i'm gonna go kentucky 28 louisville 24 so th- this is what i said with my preseason predictions kentucky does what they do and they do it well and that's run the football down your throat. And until Louisville showed some sort of ability to stop that, I was not going to wear, to wave my pick. Over the last half of the season, what has Louisville shown the ability to? Stop the run. So, again, this is a really good Kentucky team. They've got a, a much better offense than they had under Eddie Grant. Their defense is one of the top in the SEC. But with Louisville's increased ability to be able to stop the run, with the fact that Louisville, with the fact that Kentucky, excuse me, coughs the ball up on a frequent basis, I think that does enough to make sure that Louisville gets on top. I'm going Louisville 28, Kentucky 27. All right, Vince. 517 <laughs> is the rushing yards that Kentucky had on us in 2019. If that defense isn't in there taking this game as personal as possible, if B Brown isn't in there taking this shit as personal as possible, then we got a problem. But I think he is. I think he is. I believe he is. I'm going to go with a 42-21 uh, victory by the cards. Wow. I think we are going to come out and shove it down their throat, stop them defensively. We're going to stop them at what they do best, their run game. You know what? I'm going to say Dorian Jones causes two fumbles. I think the I think the thumper is going 
to thump on Saturday. No, no. the Marvin thumper Dallas. is going Marvin to Dallas. Thump. If it, if anyone's forcing fumbles, it's Marvin Dallas. Well, Marvin Dallas happen. is going to have a fumble, an interception, and a touchdown. You heard it here first. Holy Trinity, Amen. <laughs> All right, Vince, end us here with the uh, with the story, man. It's story time. We we got to start a new segment. Story time with Vince. So I had to text Robbie, and no, I'm kidding. I didn't. <laughs> But uh, so everybody remembers 2014, Coach Petrino, right? I'm taking it back. So 2014 with Coach Petrino, what happened on our field on the 50, him and a coach got into it, all that and everything. It was what it was. Well, the following year, obviously, we rotated and played at their place. And 16, they came here, which was my freshman year. And all every, all the red shirts, the whole season, we meet in the weight room uh, before the game because they didn't want us in the locker room for whatever reason. And, you know, we'd throw our jersey on her and go out on the field. But this particular time against Kentucky, so Andy Wagner, the DFO, walks in and was like, all right, everybody gather around. And we knew the intensity of the game just because we're red shirts. And, you know, that's about all we did back then was drink beer, play attention, pay attention to what all was going on, social media records and stuff. <laughs> and we're just there being <laughs> doing what we did. But Andy brought us around and he said, he said, if they instigate it, if they instigate it, you have full permission from the head coach to go out there and kick some ass. Full permission. Now, if anything, he said, we'll take any penalty, we'll take any fine, whatever it may come your way, we'll bite the bullet. But if they start it, you finish it. That was my, right. that was my favorite. Every time I think about Kentucky Louisville week, Mason obviously was punting and had a significant – significantly larger role than I did that year. But that was the one UK story for me that always stuck out because Andy gave us the full go to be, I mean, he told that to a bunch of 19 year olds. So we're all jacked up, ready to fight. So by the time we were ready to stir some shit up, (laughs) yeah, we're ready to to go. But then we get out there, we're like, Oh, they don't want to fight. Like this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) How many times did Bobby use the term blue neck? Or uh, his favorite other uh, term for Kentucky. He never used blue neck much. I mean, he just he hated them. Like we talked about, like we'll talk about a little bit in that in uh, the episode with Mason. Uh, he like nothing blue was allowed during that week. Like I don't think he owns a blue shirt. Like Mason said, it's he is. You know, there's. A lot of things said about that man in the media. Uh, Everybody said some things about him, but everybody will say that he hates Kentucky with every fiber in his body. So. Yeah, there's not much that uh, we can glean to be like from Bobby Petrino, but uh, I will say we, every one of us Louisville fans can adopt uh, a little bit of the hatred that Bobby held for the Kentucky Wildcats into our fandom. Uh, this weekend is going to be a good one. Uh, it's going to be cold, so make sure you got your uh, your hand warmers and your your feet warmers. Uh, not everyone bourbon. will be able to enjoy the warmth of the press box like Matt up in his ivory tower, but uh, to all the ones out there going to the game, uh, make sure you got your blankets and uh, stay warm because it is going to be a cold one. That will do it uh, for us uh, in this part of the episode. Just like last week, make sure you stay Stay tuned here. We're going to roll right into the interview with Mason King, former Louisville football punter, uh, and talk about the the game a little bit more on Saturday. Um, As we uh, always encourage, be sure that uh, you're giving these guys a follow at uh, Matt underscore McGavick. 
and be sure to check out the Louisville report of the Sports Illustrated Fan Network. Uh, and then Vincent Lacoco at Vincent Lacoco at Jacob Lane 08, stateofLouisville.com, the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Go Cards! Beat Kentucky! For the second straight week, we have got a special guest here on From the Pink Seats podcast, Jacob Lane, joined by Matt McGavick and Vincent Lococo. Uh, and our special guest tonight is one that probably has the best leg. I don't know about legs. I, you know, I'm not sure if we'll go make that leap, but the best leg to join the show thus far in the show's history. Mason King, former Louisville football punter. Mason, how are you, buddy? Man, I really appreciate that that hype. Uh Definitely not the best way. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm honored to be on here with you guys, and I appreciate the opportunity. So all is well my way, and I'm excited. Well, so I would you. say that that you have the best legs, but I've seen Matt's legs, and Matt has that's that would be Matt's defining trait are his legs. He's great legs, long they're, legs. They're thick and white. Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, let's just start off here. How's life since football, man? You've been out of uh, out of the game for a little bit. What's going on in the world of Mason King? How's life? Yeah. Um, I tell you what, man. Life life has been good for the past couple of years. I guess you know, besides all the craziness in the world, uh, you know, dodging that. Uh, no, life's been good. A lot of a lot of big things have kind of happened in my life since football. Um, for those of you all who know me, know my better half, Taylor. We've been together for almost eight years. We actually got engaged, so we bought a house. Uh, trying, trying to grow up an adult, but <laughs> no, it's been good, man. Um, can't complain. Still keep up with a lot of new friends since football, old friends, high school. Um, recently got a new job going here in town with one of my good buddies, Charles Walker, over at CBI Insurance. Uh, so th- things are good, you know. Now. I, now you got the holidays and Thanksgiving, and before you know it, it'll be Christmas. So uh, things are all good my way so far. Do you guys have any uh, heated arguments, you and Charles, with the uh, UK UVL, especially with it being this week? Oh, dude, it's – yeah. Well, I'm in enemy territory, let's just say that, because, you know, he's not the only UK guy in the office. But um, ironically enough, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, Vince does – me and Charles went to St. X together, and then, ironically enough, he was a punt returner at UK. So oh. I punted to Charles uh, for three years, and then kind of fast forward a little bit. Now we're working together in the same office. You know, I mean, we have a ball. It's just smack talk twenty four seven, but it's all good fun. I mean, we both enjoy it, so it's been it's been good. So explain the rivalry to me. Like you being a local kid, it's got to mean something to you. It's got to mean more. It's got to be huge. So explain it to me. Obviously, I, I know how it feels for you, but to our audience, more or less. Yeah, um, man, I tell you what, UK UVL, I, I just remember what it means to me. It's just it brings so many people together. I mean, it's such a topic of conversation, um, you know, whether that's going to the grocery store or going to get a haircut. I mean, if you're anywhere in this clinic, (laughs) yeah, you know, you're always seeing that red or that blue. Um, And it's just, it's just a never ending rivalry. And I mean, I just remember when I was a kid going to the games with my mom and dad, you know, holidays, talking it over with family and smack talk. And, you know, some years you win, some years you lose. And now you're kind of at that age where, 
you're able to experience it yourself and tailgate and kind of make your own memories, which it's just been a ball. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of the best rivalries in college football there is in basketball, just all sports in general. I mean, it's such a great, great battle. Um, so yeah, that's ex- exactly what I think of. when I think of all that. It's just all the years that I've spent and it's played such an effect in my life um, for the good and for the bad, but no, man, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it at all. Uh, what What's your favorite memory of the rivalry? I mean, you could go back to Bush or to Brom to when we played together with Lamar. What What's your favorite go-to memory? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, man, this, this is kind of a crazy one. I'll never forget. This is actually, it's my, it's not even football related. I mean, there's so many great football memories that I have of the rivalry. Uh, but one just kind of right off the bat is I'll never forget when Edgar Sosa hit that game winning three uh, against UK. I, my mom and dad at the time, we had a huge watch party over at our house. And I remember we had a television in the kitchen and then the whole watch party quote unquote was down in our basement on the main TV and my TV was faster than the one in the basement. So I was up there with my little group of friends and he hit that shot and we went nuts. And then like five seconds later, the entire basement ceiling just erupted. But, you know, all the UK fans that were over at the house, I just remember, you know, their faces and it's just like, Oh, that whole next year again and just stuff like that. And then obviously, you know, 2015 loading up the buses and, you know, I never really been to Commonwealth stadium. Now Kroger field, I'd never been there. Really ever. I mean, I had never even been there in high school. And I remember boarding the bus, getting off and just for the first time ever really kind of experiencing that. I mean, being in high school and outsider looking in, you know, you all you see it is on television or there in person. You don't really get the whole rivalry week or the locker room experiences or the 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 coaches pet talks before this huge game. So it was so, so fun just to be able to experience it and be a part of it. So kind of going back to the football side of things, everyone always talks about, oh, you got to watch out for this on offense or you got to watch out for this on defense. What's it like preparing from the special teams standpoint of a, of a rivalry game? And like, was there ever a time where uh, Petrino or Sat said, all right, I'll sit you down. Okay, no matter what you do, don't punt to this guy. Did he ever have one yeah. of those moments with you? Yeah, you know, it, it really um, – it depend it depend on who we played that week. You know, some some punt returners, obviously, like every other position, were better than others. Um, but I would say for the first – first year I redshirted, obviously, and Josh Appleby, who is a stud punter, I got to take notes from him as a senior and kind of sit back and watch him operate, et cetera, et cetera. But I would say from 2016, my first year playing – those three years, I mean, my main objective was just to try to hit the ball high and let our guys go down and cover. It wasn't really till my senior year where we kind of started doing some directional punting. And that was where more of, you know, coaches would kind of strategize more. Uh, the years past 16, 17, and 18, I would just try and catch that ball, kick it high, kick it far, give our guys a chance to cover, flip the field, um, you know, just get in and out, really. Um there's not really a, a distinct memory where I can think of as far as UVL UK, where we prepared more than others. And I'm especially saying that for Charles, you know, <laughs> 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 no, um, he was an unbelievable returner, but 
just no, I, I don't really have anything off the top of my head where I can think, yeah, there was an exact moment where we really did something out of the ordinary uh, for UK. Nothing. So did it make you happy, sad, or angry that you didn't get to punt in the uh, 2016 iteration of the, of the rivalry? Man, I, I was so happy. Uh, I think I held eight times that game, seven or eight times that game, but I just kept thinking to myself, you know, quarter after quarter went by and it was always third and 28, third and 31, third and 15. And that's like red alert. I mean, punt team guys are, you know, you need 11 guys they are counting off. Everybody's organized. You're getting ready to run out there and go punt. So there were so many close calls and finally it got down to like the fourth quarter. And I even remember Juwan Pass getting in there and it was like third down and I don't know, third and 11. And I thought, okay, you know, Juwan hasn't really played too many games. I might punt one time today. Nope. Sure enough, Juwan takes off for like 30 yards. And I really, you know, I get done and I'm like, man. And that was kind of when Pat McAfee was taking over with his Twitter and, you know, for the brand, et cetera. And he ended up tweeting me. Uh, I initiated the tweet. My buddy Blanton Creaky kind of helped get it going. But Pat McAfee responded to me. And I remember being on the bus thinking, wow, we beat UK. And Pat McAfee tweeted me. It was, it was cool. And then, you know, we got to go back and celebrate. And if your team is winning and, you know, it's obviously a good thing when you're not punting. So it was great. Had a ball with that. I, I remember coming up to you several games and just being like, Mason, no offense to you, but I hope you don't see the field today. But like, oh, yeah. I hope you do not play a down. <laughs> right. No, I know. I think um, don't take me quote unquote, but I think I only punted that year like 42 times, you know, I mean, that's just like unheard of. Wow. And then of course you don't punt at all against Kentucky, but Lamar and that offense just had so much to do with all of that, obviously. But you know, I didn't get a lot of reaction that year. You, you get bored sure. on the sideline over there. Like, I mean, you go up to Lamar, Juwan, you say, man, listen, I've just been standing. Like I need to do something. Can you just go out of no, bounds? Like, I, let me get out there one time for a punt. No, man. I look, let them guys operate. Let us keep putting points on the board. Send Creaky out there to kick off, and I'll hold his extra points. So let's just keep rolling, man. If we're doing that, I'm fine. I don't have to do anything. I'm cool. Yeah, that's a good job to have where your your day is defined as successful if you haven't touched the field, touched the, the boardroom. That's a that's a good job to have right there. Cheers to that one. All right, All right let, let, me, let me ask you this. From a standpoint of playing in the game, watching the game as a fan, specifically relating to Louisville and Kentucky, was there ever a moment that just like the wow factor or the shock of like that just happened? I cannot believe that I just watched that happen. I think back to, I think it was 2016 or 17 where Lamar got into the fight in the end zone. Uh, You know, you always see Louisville and Kentucky go at it, you know, like just like crazy, but you see Lamar tussling in a full on brawl in the end zone. You had 2014 Bobby Petrino picking up the coach from Kentucky by the collar. I mean, there's just all these moments that like you just can't believe actually happened. Is there one of those that's like that for you? You know, that incident with Lamar in the UK game, I really didn't see, I mean, there were so many moving parts, you know, and, and then again, I'm, I'm a punter. What am I going to do? If, if something <laughs> really, if something really breaks off, what am I going to do? You know? So when that kind of happened, I think everybody just, you know, some guys kind of rushed out there. I just kind of held back a little bit because I mean, there's always a consequence when this stuff happens. So luckily Lamar, you know, kind of handled it himself and got out of there and just, 
continue playing ball. And then we just let the scoreboard take care of itself really. But the biggest wow factor for me is I will just, I'll never forget that Syracuse game when he leaped over that guy. I mean, because as soon as every touchdown we scored on offense, whether that be Lamar or, you know, any other receiver or running back, I was running out there to go hold, you know, the extra point. So when he jumped over that guy, I remember looking, I'll never forget it. One of my good friends, Evan O'Hara, we were standing right next to each other and he jumped over that guy. And we just looked at each other and we, we both ran out on the field because him and Blanton that year kind of went back and forth, different games, kicking stuff like that. Evan was the kicker right after that, that play. And we just ran out. We were silent. I just could not believe what we had just seen. And I mean, it, it was incredible. It was just one of those moments. Just I'll never forget it. You've gotten to play for two coaches uh, in this rivalry, specifically with Kentucky and Louisville. How would you describe each of their approaches to this game specifically? Obviously, it's well known that Bobby cared a lot about kicking the shit out of Kentucky, for lack of uh, better words. Uh, with Sat, new to the rivalry, he talked a lot this week about he feels like he's a little bit more caught up in understanding the brevity of the moment playing against Kentucky. But how would you describe each of their approaches from what you saw as a player? Shoot. I think anybody that knew coach Petrino knew that he, he did, he hated Kentucky. I mean, hate is the perfect word for that. Mm-hmm. He did not like Kentucky. I don't know if this is a rumor or not, but I, I heard he doesn't even own a blue shirt. Um, <laughs> or, you know, I heard that too. I heard that too. He, uh, just like any other game, I mean, he wanted to win, but that UK game, that was that was a must win for Coach P. Uh, you remember the hand sanitizers? What's that? The hand sanitizers? Remember he'd had we had those red hand sanitizers, or they were blue oh, at the yeah. time. The little blue yeah. hand sanitizers walking into every like weight room or training room door. And yep. Trino went through and made whoever that, I don't know, janitor guy is, right, Mason, would just took all of them off. And yeah, replace them all yeah. With red. <laughs> everything red. And uh, my buddy Cole Hickatini, he brought in like a stuffed animal cat and, you know, threw it on behind his backpack with a rope and kind of, you know, walked in the locker room. And it was just it, it was a whole week, you know, whether well, I don't know what game it was before Kentucky, whatever year when that game was over, win or lose. It was a new week um, with Coach P and a lot of guys. With Coach Satterfield, I only had Coach Satterfield for one year. We tried to carry some of those traditions. Um, but I think Coach Sat, you know, he handled it great. It's it's new to him, and he's definitely picked up on it. And I'm sure he's got that same fire. You know, I only got to have him for one game with that rivalry. But he always took it serious and now, you know, knows how serious it is really and how fun and, and just, I mean, it's crazy. But I'll, I'll never forget this. I remember the week of the U.K. game. This was in 2017, right before Thanksgiving. I got a call up to Coach Petrino's office on a Sunday night. Um, it was me and it was Blanton and it was Coach Pete Nocta. And Coach Petrino said he was putting in a fake field goal um, and it was going to be called Ghost. And basically what it was is he didn't care what part of the game it was. If the opportunity was there, we were going to run it. Uh, and I just remember going into that Thanksgiving and when I talk about family and, you know, you're eating meals and not everybody's a Louisville fan in most families, you know, they, they all got different teams they pull for. So, you know, my aunts and uncles, the diehard Louisville fans are 
what are you thinking, Mace? Well, how are we feeling? How are we, you know, how's the team looking? Are there any trick plays? And I just remember sitting there <laughs> and saying, you know, we're ready to go. And so badly I wanted to say, oh, yeah, like we put in this play called Ghost and it's it's happening. Um, just never got the situation. It never happened. But I don't know. I don't know. It was yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah, you're yeah, just kind of sitting there thinking, yeah, we got a, We got a play call for your ass. We got one for you. <laughs> and I'm going to be the one doing it, too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. What, so, what about that one against Lake Forest, Mace? The uh, the one with uh, Shalifo, where Shalifo threw the touchdown pass. Weren't you supposed to get the yeah, ball? That, well, thank God nobody really brought up the footage of me on that play, and they focused <laughs> more on Shalifo. But if, if you guys go back and watch that play, we ran it in practice all the time, and Shalifo usually threw it to me because I would run kind of like a 10-yard out. Well, when we played there, man, it had rained, and it had sleeted, so the real grass was straight mud. You know, being a punter, whoop, went right out of my head. Well, I go and run my 10-yard out, and my feet come out from under me, and I fall. <laughs> and, you know, I'm completely not open at all, and so Shalifo heaves it up, Thank God we ended up getting it, but I was just like, man, all of those replays on Twitter and Instagram and all social media, the camera only focused on Shalifo and the throw and the touchdown, and I was kept out of all of them, probably for a reason, but I just remember being like, whoo, thank God. But, yeah, I slipped and fell. It was unbelievable. I mean, Could have been was, your your Sports Center not top ten moment, man. You yeah, almost yeah. had it. I, I was about to say we might have to go back and uh, and uh, watch the footage, but if you're completely <laughs> cut out, I guess you might have paid someone off to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. No, it's always fun, whether it's in fall camp or spring ball, um, when you're really installing these special teams plays and it's that week to kind of put in fakes when the opportunities are there and, you know, you practice them for so long and you do them every week. And then when the opportunity presents itself and it actually works, it's, it's, it's so cool. Um, it's great. Right. So kind of going back to the last question, uh, 2019, you played under Stad. That was his first, his first and only time in this rivalry since he didn't play last season. And it, it, it kind of seemed like the rivalry kind of got to set a little bit from the outside looking in. We saw after the game, at midfield, uh, midfield is kind of complaining about the L's down and and whatnot. Uh, do you think he's up to a rivalry of this magnitude? And do you and kind of building off of that, do you think Lola can get back to? dominance in this rivalry after it being dominated by UK mainly over the last half decade or so. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, as now being a fan and watching, you'd be surprised how many things I really don't pick up on versus being, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, drinking beer and whatnot, tailgating, but Fair. I think absolutely, that sad is definitely up for it. Um, and, you know, it was his first year, but he still took it seriously. And that's just something that, he has learned and will continue to learn. He's definitely the man for the rivalry and take, you know, he's great. Um, yeah. With the L's down thing, I, I really didn't see too much of it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. This past week I deleted my Twitter. I don't know if you guys have been tweeting or anything, but <laughs> man, I, I couldn't. Well, we've been tweeting. <laughs> we've been yeah. tweeting. I don't know. I couldn't take all the, it's just weird times right now. I feel like in the world. And I don't know. I hate, I hate reading stuff that people, right out there negative i mean there's so much positive on twitter um i just couldn't do it anymore politics louisville sports i don't know girls you just it's i couldn't do it i was just like i do not need this and i was getting so worked up personally in my life like 
did you see what so-and-so said? I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, just anything. So that's kind of my two cents on Twitter, but you know, uh, that sounds about right. Sometimes rivalry can get kind of exhausting on social media. Yeah, that's for sure. no doubt. Yeah. All right, Mason. So I know you're coaching down for that team down the street. You know, I don't, I don't really like to mention too many names of it. Some may call it St. X, but yeah. how are you uh, implementing what you've learned, you know, as a football player throughout the years? We've had some phenomenal coaches. How are you implementing that stuff onto the guys you're coaching now at St. X? Yeah, um, man, starting off when I, when I started up with Coach Wallace and staff, uh, going into it, I kind of told them, hey, I'm still figuring out my career at the time. Love St. X. And I mean, they accepted me with open arms, um, you know, couldn't be more grateful for Coach Wallace and staff and those guys. You know, he's, he, he said, look, if you're here a few days, that's awesome. If you're not, I understand, man, you're 24, you're trying to focus on your career. So starting out halfway through the season, I was there a lot of the time. But since I've started this new job, I kind of try to put more of my focus in that. And I've really only been showing up a couple of days a week in games. But it's it's so fun you know, you feel like you were just there um, cutting it up with these guys. You know, you, you've got that barrier of coach and player. Um, but, it, man, it's just been so fun seeing seeing guys practice and work at something that I was, you know, I was just in their shoes and I've got stories for them. And, you know, they'll ask me stories. What was it like playing with so-and-so or, you know, what's your greatest memory? Kind of just like this. And it, it's just so fun to me. I mean, I love being back. Sanex obviously has played such a huge role in my life and, means so much to me. So it's been great. Um, I like, I like teaching kids, especially in punting and anything, anything that I've learned from other guys, because so many people taught me so many things, any, any piece of advice that I can give to anybody to help them punt the ball further or help them in their position. It's been such a blessing to watch it pay off and kind of watch them go and, you know, use a tip that I taught them, which came from somebody else and then go out there in a game and do it and be excited to run off the field. I mean, it, it just means the world's cool. It's a really cool feeling. So, it, I've got, like, I would say the hamstrings aren't great. And so trying to get my leg up and that motion to punt typically yeah. doesn't end well for me. What, how would you recommend? Is that a yoga thing? Is that a, just man, I tell you what, ball down type of deal. How do you get that leg so stretchy? It, it, it takes, you know, a lot of guys, I don't mean this arrogantly, but they think they can just kind of jump into punting and kicking. But, you know, when you do it at the collegiate level or the pros or even high school, now these high school kids are so developed now and they're taking punting and kicking so seriously because of all the opportunity out there. I mean, the coaches that we had, I mean, we were stretching before practice, after practice, we were constantly building those muscles for that quick twitch movement. So, I mean, it just, you just have to keep up with it. You have to hydrate. You got to, I'm not, not to say you can't have any fun. I mean, I had all the fun in the world in college, but there was a level of seriousness that, okay, I need to stretch before bed. need to drink X amount of water. need to be eating the right foods. I mean, at the end of the day, your jobs get that leg over the head and kick the ball as far as you can kick it. So if you can't get the, I mean, I would love for somebody to show me an NFL punter or even a college punter that can't get their leg over their head. I mean, it just, it doesn't happen. If you can't do it nine times out of 10, you're not really, you're not punting. I mean, 
it's just one of those things that come with it, you know? Yeah. Because on my NFL career, probably going to have to put that on hold due to my inability to get that leg over my head. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> that's, I think that's what we've discovered tonight, fellas. Hey, sky's the limit. If you work at anything, man, you can do it. No All right, let's get you out of here on this. Predictions for Saturday. What do you got? Does Louisville uh, pull off the, the, the victory and get back to bring the Governor's Cup to Louisville, or uh, is it uh, wait another year and see what happens? Man, I tell you what, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be wearing my coveralls. I'm going to be screaming loud. I think Louisville's walking out with a dub at home. I think fans are rallied. Everybody's rallied up. Um, it should be great. I'm super excited. What, two days from now, it'll be the topic of my Thanksgiving. UofL UK, hey, do you have a ticket or are you going out to the ball game? I'm pumped. Louisville's going to get the dub. I love it. Give me a score. What do you got? Oh, man, I knew you were going to ask me a score. I'm, I'm terrible at score. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, I do not have a score. Oh, here, how I'm about this? How about this? How many times do we punt? Get, yeah, there we go. That's a great question. How many times does, does Mark Vassett have to walk out there and punt? I'll give Mark, let's say, I think it's going to be a good game. I'll say he's going to punt four times. Okay, you know, Louisville wins. Mark punts four times. It sounds like a, it's not It's, it's not a, standing it's on the sidelines. It's a solid day at the office. That's it's a solid, a solid day. day. Punt four times is a hard series spot day's work. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great ball game. So I think four punts is pretty good. Hell yeah. All right. Well, Mason, thank you so much for joining the, the podcast. Man, a pleasure for getting to sit down and talk uh, football and punting with you. Hope everything is going well. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be celebrating a victory on Saturday. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great Thanksgiving, and I appreciate it. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.